Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the She's Got Gall podcast. I am Ebony Phillips, your host, and we are in the thick of our Women Trailblazer series brought to you by the Georgia Association for Women Lawyers. This Trailblazer series has been fantastic. We have had the who's who of women who are really, really, really moving the needle um, in Georgia to join us. And so tonight is not going to be any different. We have a fantastic guest with us tonight. Um, And when I tell you who it is, you're going to be like, oh my God, how in the world did you get her? Um, And I got to tell you, she's busy, but she was very, very agreeable. And we're very, very grateful. Tonight, our special guest is Justice Carla Wong McMillan. Hi, Justice McMillan. Hi, Ebony. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that you're here. So I'm probably going to breeze through your uh, your bio much faster than I ever should, but I want to make sure that I save time for our conversation. Justice McMillan was appointed to the Supreme Court of Georgia by, George, by Governor Brian Kemp, taking office on April 10th, 2020. Born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, she is the first Asian Pacific American to serve on a state's highest court in the Southern United States. Prior to joining the Supreme Court, Justice McMillan served on the Court of Appeals where she was appointed by Governor Nathan Deal and took office in 2013. With her election the following year to that court, Justice McMillan became the first Asian Pacific American to be elected to a statewide office in Georgia. Justice McMillan has also served as a state court judge for Fayette County a position to which she was appointed by Governor Sonny Perdue in 2010. Before her appointment to the bench, Justice McMillan was a partner in the litigation group of Sutherland, Asbel and Brennan, LLP. Justice McMillan also had the privilege of starting her legal career as a federal law clerk for the Honorable William C. O'Kelly of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. Justice McMillan attended law school as a Woodruff Scholar at the University of Georgia School of Law. She also graduated with high honors from Duke University. Justice McMillan has been married since 1997 to her husband, Lance, a professor at Atlanta's John Marshall Law School. They have two children and live in Fayette County, where they have been longtime members of Dogwood Church. Please help me welcome Justice Carla Wong McMillan. Yay! Thank you so much for coming by. This is a great, great day because we are going to be talking to a trailblazer who um, I have to say is incredibly humble. And I, and I, I like to point that out because being a justice on um, the Georgia Supreme Court is not small potatoes, like that's a huge deal. And even though that's a huge deal, she remains humble, she remains accessible. Um, in preparing for our talk tonight, I saw that she had recently um, stopped by the University of West Georgia she was in Noonan. She was in all the places making the rounds. And so I feel very, very humbled that you stopped by. And I want to say, um, with thinking about this conversation, I started thinking about the formality of the Georgia Supreme Court and really the tremendous sort of work that you all do down there. But then it also got me thinking that there's going to be a lot of our listeners Um, either on our podcast or via our YouTube channel watching who may not ever get down there because that is the highest court. And so a lot of cases don't ever matriculate that far. And I'm going to use the word typical, although I hesitate to use it, 
but I would love for you to just share with our audience, um, what's a typical day? Like we've all seen Law & Order, right? Like, is it like that? Or it, what's a typical day like down there at the Georgia Supreme Court? Well, first of all, Ebony, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I've uh, listened to the a couple of the other ones. And so I'm honored to be in that group of women that you've interviewed. Um, and as far as uh, a typical day on the court, I think it's something like this. I'm in my, I'm in my chambers right now, uh, working with uh, my staff attorneys and my assistant. I have three attorneys who work for me, two attorneys who are uh, permanent. And then I have a term clerk who is a newly graduated uh, law student who works for me for a year. And, and that position uh, changes year to year. And so uh, we spend most of our time uh, researching and writing our opinions. So when uh, there are nine justices on this court, and when a case comes to our court, it's assigned by the clerk's office according to, we call it a wheel. And so it, we just take turns getting the cases. And once we're assigned a case, uh, it's our job to, to just work that case up um, and research it. And how a case usually starts um, in that process is that uh, we, we'll take a look at the case, we'll write a, a, a summary of what the arguments are that, that in the in the briefs and either that case will go to oral argument if oral arguments requested or required in the case and so a lot of our cases don't go to oral argument and in any event we hear the oral argument we look at the briefs and then I will take the 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 case to our, our bank which is our meeting with our nine justices and we'll talk about it and we'll take a tentative vote on what we think uh should happen in the case. And then after that, once the uh, authoring justice gets her marching orders, we start writing the opinion. And so most of my days are spent just researching and writing. Um, we have oral argument one week out of the month. And we actually have quite a bit of oral argument, but, um, but for the most part, we are just researching and writing. So when you say oral argument, so there's not a surprise witness waiting in the galley for somebody to question and then somebody drops the gavel and it's like, aha, that's not how it goes at all. It doesn't sound like. No, it's nothing like what you see <laughs> it, on law and order um, because we don't hear witnesses. We don't take in evidence. Everything that we uh, hear is on appeal, meaning that it's already gone through the trial court process, either in part or it's already gone to final judgment. And so what we get up here are all the pleadings, all the arguments that are transcribed and put into a transcript and we read everything. That's what that's why so much researching and writing, because we read the whole entire record, make sure we understand what happened in the trial court and uh, then research based on what kinds of errors the parties claim that the trial court made in the in the case below. And so you said there's a lot of, and this kind of dovetails to what my next question was going to be, but it may be a different answer. I don't want to presume. You said a lot of your day is spent researching and writing and the like. I was going to ask, like, if an attorney has aspirations of being on a high court or an appellate court or that kind of judicial service, what do they need to be good at? Well, I think, first of all, I... 
for people who are interested in becoming judges, the first thing I tell them to do is just be the best attorney that you can be. Okay. And uh, in whatever area it is, I mean, preferably it's a litigation so that you've be, you are in court, whether it's in criminal or civil, at least it is very helpful to have a familiarity with mm-hmm. the court system, but just being the very best attorney in, in whatever area you decide to, to practice in. Um, I mean, I'm a generalist. Uh, when I practice at, at Sutherland, um, the practice, a lot of the lawyers were getting more and more specialized. And I was fortunate that when I was coming up, I actually did a lot of general litigation and different kinds of cases and had a lot of opportunity. And that was really the best training for for what I'm doing now because we handle very complicated uh, business disputes and other kinds of uh, complicated disputes. And so those are the kinds of uh, questions that we get here on the Supreme Court. Okay, okay. And so did you know like back in Fayette, when you were sitting on that court, that this is where you ultimately wanted to end up? Oh, absolutely not. And I actually never really aspired to be a a judge at all. Really? I never thought I would, I, I, I never thought that I would have the opportunity. I never thought about becoming a judge, even though I worked for a judge, I worked for Judge O'Kelly in the Northern district of Georgia when I graduated from law school. Um, but I never considered being a judge until I think it was 2010 when an opportunity arose in, in Fayette. Wow. And so for someone who never even considered um, being a judge, it's just so amazing the path that you've, you've laid for everybody else um, and becoming the first. Um, but I would imagine there are people that you look up to, right? We look up to you, but I would imagine there's some people that you could name, um, maybe several, but I would ask you, like, if you could narrow it down, like, who are some women that you admire, some women trailblazers, or maybe not trailblazers, but just women in general, um, that you look up to and why? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to narrow down. And I guess I'll, I'll talk about my personal life, a woman trailblazer in my personal life, and then in my professional life. Sure. And for my personal life, I want to point out my uh, Aunt Margaret. Uh, she was uh, my father's sister, and she, my father's family grew up in uh, Augusta, Georgia, which not a lot of a lot of people don't know, but had a very long-standing uh, Chinese community there, mm. uh, starting in the late 1800s. And my family has actually been there since the early 1900s, over a hundred years. Okay. Well, my my aunt Margaret, she uh, ended up going to college in the ni- early 1940s. And then went to medical school and with a lot of help and support with, from our local community, she ended up being a doctor, graduated with her MD from the Medical College of Georgia in um, the early 1940s and became the first Asian American woman to get an MD from the Medical College of Georgia. Wow. First one in the Southeast. Wow. And if you look at her graduating class, you'll see that there's only two women total in the, her whole class anyway. And she was one of them. So she was a trailblazer in her own right. And so she was a very much an inspiration to me just growing up, right. knowing her. Um, 
Now, as far as professional heroes, I, I, I'm just going to point to um, former Chief Justices Carol Hunstein and uh, Leah Sears. I mean, they were two of the first women who served on the Supreme Court of Georgia, and they had similar uh, experiences in that they started as trial court judges. They worked their way up. They had hard campaigns. They they really blazed a trail for those of us uh, who are on the court now. I mean, remarkably, there are nine justices on the court. Four of us are women. Wow. That's the highest number ever to serve of women to serve together right. on our state size court. And we almost have a majority. And okay. I don't think we would be here except for Justices Huntstein and Justice Sears. That is an amazing story. Two stories, actually. I'm just thinking back to your Aunt Margaret, like in free when you said that there was only two women um, in that class, you know, and then also the justices that you mentioned. And I had I guess I haven't been keeping up because I didn't realize that there are right now four women um, currently on the court. That is fantastic. That it, and and it's a tr it's a testament to to how far that women like yourself have moved the needle. Um, but I wonder, um, do you think that the journey for women is different than it is for men? And if so, how so? You know, and I I think it has been, but I think it's getting um, better. Over time, I am sure that Justice Hunstein and Justice Sears experienced much more hardship than mm -hmm. I did because they came first. They were the very first ones. Um, I mean, I, I do think it's different because people have different expectations for uh, women in the law, yeah. especially. And if you want to talk frankly about uh, Asian women in the law, because um, there's a uh, a lot of stereotypes about Asian women and maybe not being litigation material, not being outspoken, um, that sort of thing. And, you know, there's some stereotypes that have to be overcome in order to become a good litigator, not to mention a judge. Right, right. So when you were confronted with challenges like that, how did you, how did you meet those challenges uh, in terms of the road being kind of being different or, or maybe more difficult or maybe more uh, roadblocks because you're a woman? You know, I actually never thought about it too much or dwelled on it too much. Okay. Probably because I was almost always the only one in terms of being the only Asian mm -hmm. person in school when I was growing up, certainly in law school. At, when I was in college, of course, there was a more diverse community because it was just a bigger community. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I went to University of Georgia, um, I was the only Asian person in my class. And I think there was another Asian woman in the class ahead of me. I mean, it was just very few wow. Asian people. And so I was always at least, you know, but I was always the one. Mm -hmm. And so I'm accustomed to uh, overcoming that sense of you go into your room and, you know, you may not know anyone or you, other people may not look like you, but just kind of, I've had to learn how to 
deal with it and, and, you know, make friends and network and all those types of things. Okay. And so that was, um, kind of a lead in, I guess a little bit, maybe not directly to what was going to be my next question, because, um, I was going to ask you, but it sounds like you, you've been the first, um, in a number of scenarios, I was going to ask you if there's added pressure with, you know, with becoming the first, like, or maybe not, maybe there's just, you know, pressure to do your best and so on. But I wonder if you feel that maybe because you're the first um, to do it, that there is pressure there that you have to, to contend with. You know, in terms of my actual job, the colleagues I've had on every level of court have been so gracious and I've never felt any pressure from them. Mm-hmm. at all in terms of just my job performance. I was just another judge, another justice. Um, I do feel, I would call it a responsibility. Mm. I'm the first. Responsibility, and, okay. and the responsibility I have is to go out in the community and tell my story and also to uh, bring up those who are coming up behind me. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, in Augusta and you know, very small Chinese, it was a longstanding Chinese community, but very small community. Um, I, I remember my family, we used to be so excited when we see another Asian person on television. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. we really didn't know, I mean, no Asian judges or lawyers or, you know, anyone like that. And so I can remember, I actually went back to Augusta oh, about five or six years ago and um, spoke at Fort Gordon for their Asian American Heritage Month. And I remember someone coming up to me afterwards and saying, you're the first person I've ever met who's an Asian judge. Like we've never, like they just were just amazed that I had, I was in that position. I was on the court of appeals at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel a responsibility to show others who are out there that you can succeed, you can get to this point and also to do my, do whatever I can to um, mentor people and bring people along with me. So um, when you encounter people that say, you know, I've never seen another Asian judge or things like that, do you feel um, that maybe tell, telling your story the way that, you know, you, you've been doing, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you were University of West Georgia, you were in Noon and you're all these places, is part of that sort of, um, or part of those types of events and visit, is that part of telling the story? Because I think we, we throw the word trailblazer around a lot and it's, it's you know, well-deserved by, by the people I think that we, we give the label to, but I think it's also incumbent upon us to, to your point, to think about legacy and to think about um, having a first and a second and a 100th and a 1000th and a, you know, and building that up. Is that, is that part of the reason why you go around the state the way that you do and participate in the community events and all the things, or is that for a totally different purpose? No, it's definitely one of the reasons why I do that. And that's why I especially love going to colleges or talking, um, to you know, civic groups like Rotary Aquinas, and which which was the uh, event I think that you were mentioning in in Noonan, because I get to talk to regular people about what I do, 
Yeah. And kind of normalize it and take some of the mystery away from it. And I think, I think that's important. Um, not just because, you know, not that I want to just because I'm a trailblazer, but I think it's important for the justice system that people see judges out and about in our community and know Mm -hmm. who we are and what we stand for and what we do, um, because we're held accountable for, to the people as elected judges here in Georgia. Right. Right. It's, um, quite a climb. I mean, it, it's not a small feat becoming a justice on the, the highest court. Um, what do you think is the most rewarding part of that though? Like once you kind of ascend to that place and you can finally take a breath and look back from whence you came, what's the most rewarding part of that for you? I think the most rewarding part is making a difference, I hope, mm-hmm. in the law of the state, in, in, in a, applying the rule of law, in creating stability in the law, and something that people can rely on and can govern themselves. And just, it's just being part of that. I mean, I can remember when uh, I first got on the Court of Appeals, this was 2013, and just driving into Atlanta and just being in awe that I was in that position to be able to do that, mm-hmm. just seeing the skyline of Atlanta and just, just being amazed that I just had that opportunity to be able to serve the state in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been, been at it for a, a good minute now. Um, what would you tell your 25 year old self? Like if you could turn back time and say, you know, this is some sage advice for you. You're going to need this for later. Well, first of all, I, my 25 year old self probably wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> oh, so I'm not sure. <laughs> like my daughter, I mean, my daughter's 15 and, you know, I don't know very much, so whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I were to tell my 25 year old self anything, it would be um, to make sure I continue building those relationships Mm. um, with people, not only in my law school, but in my, in my work at the firm, my opposing counsel, people within the community, how important that is. I mean, I I can tell you, I worked really hard when I was uh, a lawyer. And so I I don't think I would have to tell myself to work any harder because I worked plenty hard. It was probably to the detriment of some of the you know, time I could have spent building some of those relationships. Relationships. I'm writing that down. And what about um, maybe advice that you would have on any topic? Um, we're going to wrap because I know you you have other things you have to get to. But I and I probably could talk to you all night if you would let me. But um, there are people watching and listening who don't really get to talk to or hear from a Supreme Court justice on a regular basis. They don't get to talk to or hear from an accomplished um, woman lawyer like yourself on a regular basis. So do you have just any general advice you wanna share? Not even necessarily about the law itself, but maybe about women or about life. Um, I'm just leaving the the last question wide open um, for you to just drop some nuggets that we can use for later. Yeah, I mean, I think 
One very good piece of advice that I got along the way is to make sure that you have your community of people who help you, give you advice, support you in your various stages of your personal life and your career. Um, I can remember being a, a young mom at the firm and there was a group of women lawyers who we were all in the same stage of life and we would meet together for lunch and talk about how to handle our babies as well as our practice. And it was a really great group. Now then, mm -hmm. you know, I, I outgrew that group because my kids got older and I went on to different things, but, but I have different people now that I rely on in different parts of my life. And that, that same group of women, I now talk to about our, you know, college age kids and our, you know, right. kids, but, um, but also have other people in my you know professional life that I, that, that I rely on. Uh, for example, when I um, first became a state court judge, and actually I met him when I was in practicing law, but I really got to know Judge Al Wong when, from DeKalb State Court when mm -hmm. I became a, a fellow state court judge. And um, he's been such a great uh, wealth of information along the way. Um, he was a trailblazer in his own right, first Asian American judge here in the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, I have, you know, Judge, judge Wong give me advice in that area. So I would, I would encourage people to just um, make sure they have their, their groups of mentors that can, that can support them and help them along the way. I think that's great. And that kind of dovetails back, I think, to your earlier point about relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a theme forming here. Um, and let me just ask you, I know I said that was going to be the last question, um, but one final question. If um, you had to just, and I'm, I'm sure the, the challenges were many, um, and so, and you've talked about some of those, but so I want to end it on kind of like a, a lighter note, if you will. What is a little known fact about yourself um, that you care to share with our, our YouTube viewers or our um, Spotify or podcast audience? I think that'll put a nice little bow on we've done some professional, we've done some personal and kind of a mix. And if we end on a lighter note, I think that'll um, that'll be a good way to end. Well, I think um, uh, probably a fact that people don't know about me, maybe you'd be surprised about is um, in my off time, um, if I have nothing else to do and I just wanna like veg out I like to watch reality TV shows. You too, Justice McMillan, me so too. I, I watch <laughs> The Amazing Race. I watch Project Runway. I, and it, it's mostly these shows where, you know, they're like crafting something or, you know, there's some right. sort of skill involved, you know, right. top chef, you know, even though I, don't, I can't, <laughs> I just love watching those shows, right? It's soothing in some way. Now, currently we're in the season of, um, British baking challenge. And I, I've been watching okay. for bake off and I've been, I've been watching that show. So <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. You're right. I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed that my, um, reality show fix is always something to do with buying houses or fixing houses or, you know, fixer up or this or design that and decorate that. 
And I always tell myself, I'm going to try that. And of course I never do, but <laughs> it's definitely, definitely fun to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Justice Carla Juan McMillan. She is uh, one of our premier justices down at the Georgia Supreme Court. She's the first Asian American to serve on a state's highest court in the Southern United States. And we were fortunate enough to catch lightning in a bottle and the time lined up and she was gracious enough to join us tonight on this episode of the She's Got Gall podcast brought to you by the Georgia Association for Women Lawyers. We encourage you to go onto our website. We would love to have you as a member. Um, Gall.org is where you would go. We make it super, super easy. There's a button right on the homepage that says join or renew and we're spelling Gall, G-A-W-L. Or if you just wanna find out more about our organization, there's a wealth of information there. Justice McMillan, thank you so very much for coming by. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I had no idea that you were uh, into reality TV. So that's a, a great fun fact. Until next time, live your best life, build your relationships, have the community around you for all the stages of your life and go forth and be bold. <laughs>